Do you ever just like with your idle time find yourself reading a random Wikipedia page? I can't be the only one who does that. Maybe it comes up a conversation or something like that and you just get curious. And so you go to this Wikipedia page and one blue link leads to another and you just at some point you're just like reading about Galapagos tortoises or something. Well, I do that once in a while. And that's where I found out about this story. So it started on the Wikipedia page for Six Degrees of Separation. You know that phenomenon where any individual can be connected to any other individual by six degrees or less? Yeah, so I was reading about that. I can't remember what got me there. And there's just this one section on that page, about halfway down. It's about a sentence long, and it's called Find Satoshi. That's the name of this section on this page. And I just, I remember reading that and wanting more information because it's just this short sentence long and there's no Wikipedia page for Find Satoshi. So I, I followed the external link, which you rarely do in Wikipedia, and it led me to this website, findsatoshi.wordpress.com. And so I went there, I'm gonna go there right now, and it's just this basic website. It has Find Satoshi in the top left in big red letters, and it says underneath, a six degrees of separation puzzle. Is it possible to locate a man given only his photograph and his first name? And underneath that, on the homepage, there's a photograph. It's a picture of a Japanese man. He has jet black hair. Uh, he's wearing a scarf, a black pea coat. There's a river behind him, some old European-looking buildings. There's these exposed wooden trusses on them and a, a hill in the distance, sort of maybe a hill or a, a mountain of some kind. And that's it. It just looks like a photograph. But underneath, in italics, the caption reads, Do you know this man? Well, that got me interested. So I sent an email to the website's uh, email address. It says, contact us at findsatoshi at gmail.com. So I did. And I found out the person behind this website is Laura Hall. So being completely intrigued by this website and this search, this whole find Satoshi phenomena, I got in touch with Laura. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, Laura? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you okay. hear me? Yes. Awesome. That's her. Yeah, so I, I wanted to talk about uh, Find Satoshi. Okay. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll start. I'll just tell you how I... Laura's had a lifelong interest in so solving mysteries I and puzzles. That's what got her interested in Find Satoshi. I mean, my whole life I've been interested in detective stories. Um, I actually, I still have the book that I read obsessively as a kid called The Young Detective's Handbook, which like taught you about observation skills and like fingerprinting techniques and all of these sort of deductive reasoning sorts of things. Um, Essential skills at 10. Right, exactly. Um, And I just, my whole life, I have never been able to get enough of that sort of stuff. So it's like certainly like a fundamental part of my makeup to want to solve things. She's been looking for Satoshi for a long time now. Uh, 2006, I want to say, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. I honestly did think that it was going to be a lot faster. I mean, here we are 10 years later or however long, uh, and it's not been solved. Um, I was pretty confident at the time, though, that it was going to be possible because, I, you know, of course, I had all the time in the world as a student to, like, to sort of mess around with that stuff. And The fact that 10 years on, it's not solved. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
gosh. Do you ever like, you know, do you ever like go to sleep at night and you're just sitting there and you're just like, God, where is he? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I have not forgotten it. I do think about it sometimes. And the reason it's taken so long? Well, there really isn't much to go on. There's hardly any evidence in the case. All Laura knows about the man she's looking for is his name and what he looks like, or at least what he did look like in that photograph. It's a selfie. Um, and he's standing in front of a sort of Germanic looking, you know, there's a river and there's like little houses all along it. Yeah, there's really nothing too special about the photo. Like I described earlier, it's just a, it's just a, like any selfie you might see today. It's like, it's like he's just standing in a rural village in maybe in Europe or something. And he has a slight smirk on his face, but it's this enigmatic expression. It's, it's really hard to read. It's like the Mona Lisa. But there's one thing about this photograph that got Laura looking for Satoshi in the first place. It's sort of the call to action. Down the side in Japanese, it says, find me. Yeah, find me. Ominous, right? At the time that the game was live, there was a hint line um, where you could receive one hint for each card. Um, And the hint for this one was, my name is Satoshi. And that's it. That's all of the information that you're given. They, the creator said it was meant to be an experiment in six degrees of separation. Would it be possible to sort of harness social networks in order to locate this person? So, well, what is this all about? Who, who is Satoshi? Why is Laura looking for him? What, why does he want people to find him? Does he want people to find him? Why does she have his photograph? Like, who sent it to her? Uh, why has this been going on for 10 years? Why is it so hard to find Satoshi? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of questions to answer here. I had all these questions too, and we'll get to them. But let's go back to the beginning. The first question we'll address, where did Laura get this photo to begin with? Are you familiar with uh, this, the genre of alternate reality games that, that used to be sort of a thing? Um, pro- probably not. It, it's, like, <laughs> it's very niche. Laura first saw Satoshi's face on a puzzle card. That was part of this alternate reality game called Perplexity, which is one of these alternate reality games. And if you don't know what an alternate reality game is, they're also called ARGs, A-R-G. That were basically online treasure hunts. It would be sort of presented like a mystery story online, you know, with websites and, and characters that you'd interact with and so on. They're sort of these massively multiplayer real life puzzle games. It's probably the best way I can think of describing them. They're really popular as marketing campaigns for films or something like that, maybe video games. The first major ARG was way back in 2000. It was a campaign for the Spielberg film Artificial Intelligence. And some more recent examples might be for the Cloverfield movies. So the Cloverfield, Cloverfield 1 in 2008, and more recently, 10 Cloverfield Lane. What ARGs do really well is sort of blend reality with a fiction. So expand on a fictional world. That's why they work really well as marketing campaigns for films. You often have like, you know, with Cloverfield, you have these emails you can read and these voicemails you can listen to from the characters. It just gives you, it immerses you in the story. That's what it does. There's no, it blurs the line between your life and the game, right? So it's like asking you to accept this sort of level of immersion. And then you get like, I'd say like a hundred people who are like super deep into it the actual number of active players um, is very small. But for those people, and I'm one of those sorts of people, like the experience is incredibly deep and filters into everything. So Perplexity, launched by a British entertainment company called Mind Candy in 2005, had players searching the world for this hidden cube. 
That was the point of the game, to try to find this actual, physical, real metal cube hidden somewhere on Earth. And with it came a sizable cash prize, $200,000. It's quite a bit. So to find the cube, players would have to solve the series of 256 puzzle cards. Which kind of were the core of Perfect City. You would buy these puzzle cards in stores or online, and they'd each have a puzzle on them. This guy is Adrian Hahn. Hello. He was Perplexity's director of play when it launched in 2005. Uh, I joined it right <coughs> at the start. Um, I was like the first employee at Mind Candy, I think. It was Adrian's job to oversee the creation of the game. Along with his team, Adrian helped to write the story and come up with the puzzles. And just like Laura, he's always had an interest in stories and games since he was a kid. And I'd always wanted to make games. Before Adrian started working on Perplexity, this is really interesting, he was doing something totally different, completely unrelated, something I never would have guessed. He was studying for a PhD in neuroscience at Oxford University. Which has nothing to do with games. And even though I was doing my, my PhD in neuroscience and I did a degree in you know, neuroscience, um, I always kind of had at the back of my head that I wanted to go make games. Um, um, I remember there was a day in the lab when... I was, and this was during the period when I was kind of doing half uh, working at Mind Candy, kind of like in my spare time, and half working on my PhD. And it was just a kind of I had a I had a bad day. Someone had a go at me for using their syringe or something, and I thought, you know what, I don't need to do this. I can just do something else that's more fun. And if it doesn't work out, then I can go back and do my PhD. And the reason why I got approached to to join Mind Candy is simply because uh, if you typed in alternate reality game in the UK, like my name was the first one that came up. So, uh, yeah. you know, like I kind of positioned myself, I engineered it, not like in a bad way. I'd just been writing about it for like four years. Yeah. You know, people would want to talk to me about, about making these things. And another interesting thing about Adrian, he's really not a puzzle kind of guy. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I'm not good at solving puzzles. Uh, and I'm not, I don't even really like puzzles that much. And I think that actually, I think that actually helps in making puzzles, uh, certain kinds of puzzles, because I, I get frustrated sometimes with, with puzzles. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not the sort of person who buy puzzle books. So that makes does make me kind of a strange person to become like a puzzle designer for this game, <laughs> the game designer. But I, but I think it helped because it, it meant that, you know, I didn't want to go and do like 20 word searches. You know, that would just be so boring. Um, you know, we wanted to go and make every single one of the 256 puzzles we made in, in the first kind of season of Public City to be really unique. Mm -hmm. You know, not not being super kind of into normal puzzles kind of helps with that because you want to try new things. So Adrian started hiring this whole team of game designers. I remember to sort of find interesting people, we put an advert in the newspaper and it was just in code. I mean, the whole thing, the whole advert was just in code. There was no, you know, there was no like call us at this number or email us at this number. It was all in code. And everyone got really excited about it because wow. they thought it was like uh, an advert from MI5 or something. And with these new, probably slightly disappointed MI5 hopefuls, they got to work on these 256 puzzle cards. Do you, yeah, how, how I mean, do you how you come up with with all of these? Because there's 256 of them. That's a lot, and each one, yeah. you know, has to be in its own right, sort of an interesting, independent puzzle. If you think about it, so well, uh, I mean, I didn't come up with all of them. Right, came, right. I, I think I came up with half of them, and uh, I don't know. You know, like it's a lot of them. Uh, you know, a lot of them 
we, I think if you do nothing but try and come up with puzzle ideas for like six months, uh, you will probably come up with a, a few decent ones. <laughs> and and some of them were pretty derivative, uh, you know, despite what I said about like wanting to change things. Um, right. Some of them were derivative, but some of them I'm still, you know, really proud of. Uh, I think were, were really original. Mm. Which um, ones in particular? You know, my favorite one, I can't remember what it was called. I looked that card up. It was called Elucidate. And it was based on voice spectrographs. And uh, really good scientists can just look at a voice spectrograph and kind of figure out roughly what you're saying wow. from this kind of picture. And so I thought, oh, you know what? It'd be really cool to go and do a puzzle where I just show you the voice spectrograph and uh, you have to work out what it is. For this particular one, we, we drew uh, the voice spectrograph as a contour map. So it just looked like, you know, people thought it was a place because that's what it looked like, you know, wow. it looked like a contour map. And everyone just sent themselves crazy <laughs> trying, to, trying to work out where it was. <laughs> um, you know, we just watched these, uh, these people saying, where is it? I don't know where it is. You know, maybe they made a mistake. And I remember someone eventually figured it out. And that, was, that one took a few months for people to figure out, I think. So that was, uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that one because it was, it was satisfying, you know, when they solved it. Uh, there were no clues and no words on it. That was it. That gives you an idea about some of the interesting creative ideas they had for these puzzles. But there were a whole bunch of others. There were 255 other cards, and they were all color-coded by difficulty level. From red, you know, orange, yellow, blah, 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 all the way up to black and then silver. And silver were the rare cards and also extremely difficult cards to solve. And they all got a number, 1 to 256, and a name. Like elucidate, that was the one we just talked about. Yeah. Where you know, I hear about like the Ryman hypothesis was one of them. Yeah. Um, there was I hear about Thirteenth Labor a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, shuffled. There's a few yeah. more that I just hear about the name. Do you, all these ring a bell to you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, the first three you mentioned are kind of like ridiculous puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Ryman hypothesis and uh, well, and I mean Ryman hypothesis kind of. Uh, silly, silly puzzle. Um, because not something that our our, our players would solve. Right. Very difficult mathematical problem. Yeah, the Ryman hypothesis is a well-known mathematical conundrum. It's very difficult. It was put in as sort of a joke, actually. And to this very day, over 10 years later, the Ryman hypothesis remains one of only two cards that haven't been solved. The other unsolved card was number 256, a silver, the last card in the game called billion to one so could you tell me the story behind that card well um so i didn't i didn't uh i don't think i was the one who came up with this idea although i think i was around when when we talked about it and we thought uh what would it be like if we had if we just took a photo of someone and you had to go find him and you know that this guy was called satoshi and if you found him then uh, I think you would solve it. I can't remember what was meant to happen when you found him, um, <laughs> but but something probably. And, you know, because it was one of these silver cards, we thought, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter whether other people find him or not. But we, we actually thought that people would, you know, because of the internet. We thought that it, it would catch people's attention. And it did catch people's attention, but it was also very difficult. Uh, and, and as it turned out, you know, to date, too difficult. But do you... Do you uh, just happen to know where he is or who he is? Uh, I I did know. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I've forgotten. <laughs> um, I know I can find out quite right. easily. 
if I if I ask someone. Because <laughs> um, someone knows. It's a friend of someone. It's a friend of someone. Right. Yeah. So when Perplex City launched in 2005, Laura was in college. And as an avid fan of puzzles and mysteries, she got really excited about it and found time between classes to play. And it was this card with Satoshi's face on it, number 256, that really piqued Laura's interest above any other card. She dove headfirst into the search. She set up the Find Satoshi website, findsatoshi.wordpress.com, still live, and sort of became the unofficial coordinator of finding Satoshi, the face of the search, pursuing leads and spreading the word. She was even interviewed on ABC News about Find Satoshi. So the natural place to start, of course, the internet. Even in 2005, when the internet was a very different place, there were forums and places where you could interact with other players to discuss the cards. And during the game's run, during Perplex City's run, most of this takes place on a website called Unfiction. It's this forum that's dedicated to alternate reality games. It's on this forum, Unfiction, where most of the cards are solved and discussed Every single card seems to get its own thread, and it's on this forum where most of the players congregate to share clues and ideas. It turns out, Adrian actually spent some time browsing on Fiction when the game was live. <laughs> it must be fun, fun. To, to sort of sit back and watch people work it out and try to solve it. You must see a lot of frustration and a lot of like crazy ideas being thrown around. Uh, yeah, it, it's fun. It's also frustrating because you'd just be watching the forum kind of thinking, come on, you've almost got it. You've almost got it. Just no, don't do that thing. So, uh, you know, it was a weird, <laughs> it was fun, but it was, it was a bit strange. <laughs> it's also a bit strange reading through the forum now, so far removed in time. It reads almost like an historical document, like a series of firsthand accounts of some historical event, like following a trail of breadcrumbs. And while the forums were active with lots of players, and the Satoshi card garnered over 41 pages of posts, is actually over 600 posts, the world of alternate reality games has always been a small one. They tend to develop strong cult followings. A lot of the players got to know each other over the years. Like, for example, even though Adrian's in the UK Hello. and Laura's in Portland, hey. they got to know each other through the game. When I was talking to Laura for one thing, do you know Laura, by the way? Yeah, 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 I know Laura. You know yeah. Laura? Because I guess it's sort of, um, she was saying it's sort of a small world or a small community, this sort of puzzle-solving group. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and first of all, the puzzle community is very small, right? And, like, this game went on for so long, um, you sort of just kind of get to know everybody in general. Um, but I, I mean, I <laughs> eventually started dating somebody who had worked there and, like, was just friends with a bunch of people. And do they know who Satoshi is? Yes. <gasps> oh. oh my God. What is that like knowing that this 10 year search, this person's right there and they have the answer? I would be so upset. So upset if they were to just tell me. Yeah. I would be so mad. <laughs> it's funny though. Because yeah. I'm like, at what point do we say, hey, give us a hint, right? But you know what? No, I don't want any hints. I want it to be the purpose of it, which is to like see if it is possible to find this guy without help. <laughs> That's the thing here. No hints. There are people who know who Satoshi is and where he is, and they could drop a hint at any time. But it's, it's sort of the purpose to find Satoshi without any help. If they just told Laura where he was or who he was or told anybody, it wouldn't be the same, would it? It'd be like, it'd be like dousing birthday candles with a fire hose. It'd ruin all the fun. 
Early on, as you can see in the forum, players are optimistic that they can find Satoshi. It doesn't seem so far-fetched. But despite that early optimism, it's important to consider the odds against it. Looking at this today, it's easy to think of posting the search to Reddit or to Facebook, and if it goes viral, it's solved just like that. It really doesn't seem so far-fetched. That could very well happen today. But going viral wasn't really a thing in 2005. It was much harder than to harness people en masse. The internet in 2005, when the search started, was a very different place. The public internet in 2005 was almost half as old as it is today. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. It was so different then. Facebook was just a baby, it wasn't public yet. And Reddit didn't even exist. Twitter started up in 2006, so a year after the game launched, and YouTube had just launched at the same time as this game in 2005. So a lot of the engines that create viral content today didn't even exist at the time, or at least if they did, not in the form they do now. This was a time in 2005 when MySpace was still the king of social networking. Remember MySpace? And it was the only real means of harnessing people en masse, which it wasn't very good at doing. Yeah, I mean, it's just the internet is so different now. Um, and like my approach now, I think, would be different and more methodical. Maybe even less reliant on the internet than before. I don't know. So with this in mind, it's easier to understand why it proved so difficult in the beginning to find Satoshi. Still, people were optimistic. I guess you had to be. So then, where do you start the search? Let's do a quick inventory check. You have a photograph, you have a name, Satoshi, and you have the words, find me, written in Japanese, and the power of the 2005 internet at your fingertips. What are you supposed to do with all of that? Well, on the forum, the players start theorizing, they start coming up with ideas. And they're at least learning early on which directions not to pursue. Some wonder how it can be so sure he's Japanese, but it's quickly determined that in all likelihood he is Japanese. The Japanese writing on the card, that's a pretty strong hint, and the origin of his name, Satoshi, that's a Japanese name. That's sufficient evidence for that fact. And another quick note on his name, Satoshi is one of the most common given names in Japan. It's like John or Steve here in North America, which really doesn't make it any easier to find him. Lots of ideas are floated around, some more inventive than others, some tongue-in-cheek. I'll quote a user here from the forum. Quote, I was thinking of other things to try. Here's what I got. I don't suppose anyone works for the CIA, FBI, Interpol, etc., or knows someone who does. I bet you could do a pretty good face search in a place like that. Well, assuming you worked in the right area and didn't mind risking your job and possible federal prison time. End quote. And while interesting ideas abound, finding Satoshi might be simpler than it first seems. From the outset, it was meant to be an experiment in six degrees of separation, testing the idea that any individual can be connected to any other individual in six degrees or less. It is. I mean, that was the idea. Uh, but, I, you know, the problem... See, the thing with six degrees of separation for most people is that you go and say, okay, how far are you from, you know, Kevin Bacon, right? Uh, so you know who the person you're trying to find, you know who they are, right? Whereas what we're just saying is here's a picture of someone. And I'm sure that most of our players will probably find themselves only three or four degrees of separation from this guy. Yeah. But you're not exactly going to go and send around this photo like to every single person you know yeah. and, and like force them 
to look at it and then force them to show their friends and have them show their friends. I mean, that, that, uh, it, it might work in theory, but get, get, you know, convincing people to do that is another thing. Yeah, well, some users suggest trying that, but it's ridiculed pretty quickly. It's just unfeasible. No one wants to be that person emailing this photo of a stranger to everyone saying, do you know this man? Plus, 2005 was at the heyday of spam and chain mail. It was just rampant. No one wanted to contribute to that. What you do see a lot of on the forum are people posting Google images of Japanese men whose name may or may not be Satoshi. This becomes a common attempt, prompting one of the users to respond, quote, Not every Japanese guy with hair brushed down on his forehead is a potential answer, gang. End quote. And of course, in trying to find who Satoshi is, ruling out Satoshis one by one doesn't sell as an effective method of approach. On that note, spamming false Satoshis was so commonplace that Laura became a bit concerned about the way the search was being conducted. People were sort of hassling Asian men who may or may not have been named Satoshi. Like, I was in contact with a lot of them because anytime somebody emailed me a tip, I would write to them and explain what was going on. And a lot of the time they'd write back and be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea why I kept getting all of these emails. <laughs> and it's like, you know, none of these people were the guy, of right, course. Right. But, you know, they were sort of inundated with people trying to reach out and contact them who were not explaining what was going on. Basically, when using the internet to search for somebody, you have to think about collateral. And this is something that the players in the forum had to wrestle with. So, clearly, a novel puzzle such as this requires a novel approach. No idea is a crazy one. Adrian himself actually comes up on the forums as well, as some players in the forum toss around the idea that he's a potential connection to Satoshi, someone worth pursuing. And you can't blame them. I don't know why they would think that. Like, I know. I did, I, uh, no, I mean, it wasn't me. Right. Uh, I, I'm surprised it took... I mean, yeah, I'm surprised that it, it was that difficult for people. Um, you know, but I think that it depends. Like, you know, there wasn't any kind of big reward for that particular card, and people knew that it wasn't relevant to the story. Right. Uh, you know, if we said, if you find this guy, we'll give you £100,000, he would be found. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, totally. But no, I, you know, I can confirm that it wasn't me, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he didn't. Uh, well, I'm not going to send anymore. Like, I, <laughs> but but also, I don't know where he is now. Yeah. So so I I don't know how useful I can be. Right. Um, Throughout the forum, there's this underpinning of paranoia that the players are being tricked somehow. Like Mind Candy is lying to them about something, throwing them for a loop. There's a lot of people questioning the obvious as potential red herrings. They wonder whether the words printed down the side "Find Me" means something else altogether. Others think maybe Satoshi's not even real, that he's been invented by Mind Candy and exists only in the universe of the game. As time goes on, the theories just get farther and farther out there. Ideas are tossed around very much like someone on their last chance in a game of 20 questions. They're complete Hail Marys. Each is as speculative or far-fetched as the previous. Reading some theories, you might think they're about to try linking Satoshi to JFK's assassination or to D.B. Cooper. They try everything. They, they even try linking Satoshi to another elusive figure of the same name, who became infamous shortly after Perplexity. One Satoshi Nakamoto. You may have heard of him. Oh, Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin. Satoshi Nakamoto is the elusive alleged founder of Bitcoin. He's been the source of a great deal of mystery. No one quite knows who he is, or where he is, or whether he's even real. 
sort of like Satoshi. <laughs> One of them saying, uh, and you can confirm or deny or, or yeah. not, that that Mind Candy knew about Bitcoin ahead of time. If, if, if Mind Candy knew about Bitcoin ahead of time, uh, you know, we'd be much richer than we are now. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, we're not. We're not that good. That'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> and while tossing around all those theories and asking all these questions isn't necessarily a bad thing, you kind of have to ask a lot of questions when you're trying to figure out a mystery like this. When it comes down to it, there's a balance to be had between asking lots of questions and becoming lost in those questions. Yeah, we make these puzzles to be solved. Apart from the ones that obviously can't be solved, like you know, Ryman uh, hypothesis. So. So I don't think we ever really tried to to fool people. I mean, sometimes I've read herrings, but but yeah, you know, these puzzles were made to be solved, and and like I feel bad when I see people like run into kind of dead ends. And of course, yeah, people will go and speculate about like what does he mean? You know, maybe you know, maybe it's someone who Adrian knows. You know, that that sort of thing. And yeah. you know, that's that's natural. That you know, I would do that as well. But uh, I think that people can 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 uh, get stuck on that a bit too much. <laughs> Eventually, the strategy of questioning everything can lead to disorientation. If you're lost in the jungle and you don't trust your compass, how do you navigate? You can't get too far that way. Still, I get it though. With seemingly so little to go on, the biggest question of all looms large. Where do we go from here? Well, there's one big mystery about the car that stands out to most people early on, and that's the location. Those European-looking buildings in the background, the exposed wooden trusses, the river, the bridge, the hills. Where was Satoshi standing? The houses don't look Asian, more like European, and the hills might help too, writes one user. He's wearing a scarf and overcoat too, it's cold. I say Germany or Holland. Another user, Guy Incognito, whose avatar is a clip art Sherlock Holmes, he posts a lot on the forum, he chimes in, quote, As for where the picture was taken, I would think Germany, since it looks like that pretty much everywhere in the more rural parts. But it might as well be in Austria, Switzerland, France, or even somewhere in the UK. End quote. So there tends to be some consensus that maybe it's somewhere in Central Europe. But location is one of the major questions about the card that most players seem to think is a big lead worth pursuing. Perhaps because it seems achievable. The location isn't moving around. The location probably hasn't changed significantly in appearance. And it seems unique enough to be positively identified. None of which can really be said for Satoshi himself, at least not with any certainty. Location is one of the major questions about the card that most players seem to think is a big lead worth pursuing. A lot of discussion goes into trying to find out where this location is. Because if something on the card is possibly identifiable then it's probably meant to be identified. Then they find it, they find the location. One user recognizes the geography and the architecture as being reminiscent of the Alsace region of Eastern France, right on the border with Germany. The location seems to fit general consensus that it's a central European village and others are quick to look into it. They're looking for the rivers, the hills, the exposed wooden beams, that distinctive European architecture. They compare Google image results for Alsace. It looks familiar, it looks about right, but they're looking for an exact village, an exact place. A little more digging and one particular town comes up. It's called Kaisersburg, a medieval looking settlement on a river with red roofs, old buildings surrounded by green hills and vineyards known for their Pinot Grigio. 
After comparing many photos, it's determined to be a match. Then when Kaisersburg comes up, that seems like a really big break. It was real cause for celebration on the forum, and for Laura. It, it put that person in a specific location, in a specific context, you know, so that was sort of the first piece of information. At the very least, it just puts him on the map. It gives some sort of physical semblance to this ethereal search. It gives us coordinates in a physical space, a place where we know Satoshi once stood to take this photograph that has so many people searching for him. So soon after determining Kaisersburg as the location, there's posts on the forum calling for an envoy, someone to carry out a pilgrimage of sorts, a journey to Kaisersburg to snoop around for clues. And someone did go to Kaisersburg, but sort of by chance. Laura. I mean, as you know, I've stood on the location where his selfie was taken. Like, that's a weird story, too. Um, yeah, tell me about that, actually. <laughs> I saw you, saw you showed me that picture. I thought that was very cool. Same exact background. Yeah. You're standing on the spot. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. Um, so my job at the time, I was living in Dallas, Texas, um, just completely randomly. One of the companies that we worked with was having a conference in France in this region that they wanted me to make a presentation at. And I was looking at it, at it and I noticed how close it was to the location and I was just like, hey, boss, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to need you to help drive me over to this place and look for this thing. And they were totally game. But it was completely random that this conference thing was there, completely random that I was asked to go. Um, and just like my, my boss's willingness to humor me at that time is the reason that I was able to do that. And I, I mean, I've never seen photographs from there from anybody else who was ever looking because you know it's it's out of the way it's like a small town right and just yeah nowhere in france yeah yeah like near a border and like you know it's there's no real reason that people would go there i mean it's like it's a wine country sort of place so but you remember what it was like when you you walk on that bridge and you stand in the spot mm. Um, so there's lots of little bridges, actually, in that town. So we spent a little bit of time hunting for it. And I think it was my boss who finally was like, no, this is it. You know, we've got the picture. We're sort of like trying to compare it. Um, and he was a professional photographer, too. So he sort of helped position me to like get the right angle um, to try and match it as closely as possible. It's very surreal, though. I mean, like for something that, you know, I've got the physical puzzle card, right? It's printed out. But like that's the only tangible piece of it, right? Otherwise, it's completely, I mean, it doesn't even exist online except for the website. It's completely in our heads with our desire to find this person. So like to have a sort of tangible piece of that in standing in that same location was really funny and interesting. Did you feel like a, like a clue from the universe when you're standing <laughs> there? Like he just had a connection to him? Like he left part of his aura there or something? <laughs> Oh, man, I wish. Yeah, if only. Oh, that would make my life so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really would. Oh, it's findsatoshi.wordpress.com. Help us find satoshi.com. Is, is the animated one on there where it, it's like from me to the guy to me and back? Oh, yeah, I think I saw that one. On her website, she posted an animation that transitions between Satoshi's selfie and her own photo on the exact same spot. Oh, here it is, yeah. It's just funny. You really, like, it's, so, it's lined up so well. 
the exact spot. Strange. Yeah, that right? Maybe I, I did absorb some of the molecules in the air or something. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Maybe, yeah, maybe like, the next game they'll release Fine Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say in a quantum sense, we're probably connected. Like <laughs> we've mingled in some way. I think so. You've probably <laughs> breathed in air that Satoshi has breathed. Right? Exactly. There's that kind of thing you do. <laughs> Fine Laura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be a picture in the same spot and I'll just say Fine Laura. <laughs> exactly. Hearing Laura tell me about going to Kaisersburg got me really curious and kind of jealous. I wanted to have that experience too. So short of buying a plane ticket, I settled for second best. I went to Kaisersburg on Google Maps. I zoomed in on the winding streets and dragged the little yellow street view man over to a bridge. I was completely shooting in the dark here, totally guessing. First one, wrong. Second one, no luck. Then I landed on one bridge, labeled D28. And there it was. That same view. Those buildings in the background, the river, the hill, the wooden trusses, they were all there in virtual reality. I could see the exact spot at which Satoshi once stood. I could look around and, and see what he saw, the view he had, the other side of the bridge, behind where the camera was, the cobble streets beneath his feet. I could see it all. It was all there. And although I've never actually been there in real life, it just made it feel more real to me. Finding Kaisersburg and, and going there on Google Maps reminded me of an obsession I had with another photograph I'd seen a lot as a kid, one you've probably seen too. It was a default desktop background on Windows XP. The photo is suitably called Bliss. It depicts a lush green hill under a blue sky dabbed with clouds. It's been called the most viewed photo of all time, and I believe it. It's vibrant and minimal and serene. It's beautiful, blissful. I remember this photograph greeting me on computers in elementary school during library period with its perfect minimalism interrupted by garish icons for all the right type in math circus and other programs we used in, in eighth grade. So for me, there's an element of nostalgia to it. And I remember briefly after logging in, this vague longing would overcome me, just briefly. I'd want to like jump into the screen and be there, be wherever that photo was. I'd want to find out where it was taken and, and, and go there and stand on the side of that road and look out over that field and discover what lay over that perfect green hill. Feel the grass, see what was around the frame, what was, what was behind the photographer, what was there. And I did find out where the photo was taken. In Sonoma County, California in 1996 by National Geographic photographer Charles O'Rear. But... That didn't satisfy me. I got what I wanted, an exact geographic location down to the GPS coordinates, but it, it didn't feel like enough. It felt almost too obvious maybe, or maybe it was too random. Like it could have been anywhere. Why this place? Why Sonoma County? I don't know what I was looking for, but the location just wasn't enough. Anyway, I digress back to the story. So. We figured out where the photo was taken. Where do we go from there? Well, it's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Kaisersburg doesn't really offer much to go on. Although this revelation maybe aims the scope a little better, finding Satoshi is still very much like shooting in the dark. 
And here's where the search starts to run dry. Subsequent posts on the forum, becoming fewer and farther between, are now grasping at straws. Hail Marys interspersed with the odd photo of an Asian man, a vague resemblance to Satoshi, saying, do you think this is him? As things slow down, that optimism that was there at the outset begins to fade. What once seemed achievable now seems to be falling further and further away into the realm of a dream. And something else that came up in the forum, and when I was talking to Laura and Adrian, was the idea of puzzle design. It's really interesting to think about. In any puzzle, all the bits and pieces are put there by a person with a mind and a way of thinking and a personality, and all of that invariably goes into the puzzle to some degree. As much as puzzle designers would like to be completely random in order to make their puzzle more difficult and objective, people are people and just can't seem to keep themselves totally out of what they make. A human creator is always in a human creation. And if you can get inside the mind of the creator and think like they did, you might have a big advantage in cracking the code. Laura, like Adrian, is also a puzzle designer. She runs an escape room in Portland, Oregon. So she has some insight, and I asked her about it. And when you're doing something like, like Finding Satoshi, that's a game that was designed by people, right? Yeah, yes. Or a, a puzzle. And so you have to think about how people design puzzles to, to solve a puzzle in a way, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. So how, how have you encountered that puzzle design since you sort of have, have been into this whole thing? Um, well, so it actually took me a really long time to think of myself as a puzzle designer. With puzzle hunts and args and things like that, a lot of the solving also comes down to knowing the mind of the creator. It certainly is an advantage to understand how the puzzles are constructed. So as for the search, things had reached a standstill. The last and only big breakthrough that comes through the forum is Kaisersburg. Other than that, it's just inklings, head scratching, some fringe theories, and those that deny or reject them. And then it's back to square one and the cycle continues. The posts become increasingly sparse and soon begin to dry out, along with the case. Most of the posts occur between 2005 when the game launches and 2008. One user writes in summer 2008, quote, So as someone who refuses to give up, I'm still in this. To this day, I believe the best lead we ever had was discovering the location of the picture. End quote. After that, there are a few posts here and there, becoming increasingly sparse, with months between them. As of this recording, the last two posts on the forum come in 2011 and 2014, respectively. Then, silence. Perplexity officially ended in 2007, when the cube was found buried in a forest near Northampton, UK. And with it came a $200,000 prize, as promised. The discovery of the cube put a stamp of conclusion on perplexity, bringing the larger story to something of an end. Yeah, when, once the cube was found in, uh, I think, 2007. Yeah. Um, that was a long time. The game went on for like over like a couple of years. Yeah, I think it took two and a half years or three years or something. It was only meant to take like 12 months. <laughs> wow, so it went a lot longer than you guys thought. Yeah, that was a, that was a problem. There were a lot of problems with the game. Uh, Any others in particular come to mind? Oh, uh, well, there are many. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I should say that, you know, none of us really knew what we were doing, which is probably true of most people in life. So I don't feel particularly bad about that. But, but this was a very new thing. 
And uh, I think Michael, who who's the founder of Mind Candy, you know, he had a brilliant idea of a public city. Um, but there were we we did a lot of things, you know, pretty poorly. Uh, one of them was it was quite difficult to get into the game after it started mm. because you know there were all these websites and emails and things and you would just you know you'd get to the website and you'd be thinking what the hell is going on i don't understand what any of these things are you know do i have to read a hundred thousand words to get up to speed i think in some respects the game is probably a bit too early you know because it was difficult for, re- for it to really sort of gain traction and people weren't quite as used to buying stuff over the internet as they are now and uh yeah but you know i think people really liked it so you know, overall, it, it made a big impression on people. You know, I think if you were interested in those kinds of games back in 2000 and back in 2004, then uh, obviously you're amazing. No, <laughs> obviously what, what it means is that you, you have a certain kind of interest in certain kind of thing. And you're probably lucky enough to be on the Internet back when it was quite a small world. And that meant that I met all sorts of interesting people um, in a way that I think doesn't happen quite in the same way now. I mean, which is not to say that the internet was better back then. You know, the internet's much easier to use now and you do still meet interesting people. But I remember back then, it was just kind of cool to meet anyone from the internet. You know, it was just, just an unusual thing for people to use the internet a lot. You know, I keep on meeting people this nine years on, you know, 10 years on uh 10 years on yeah yeah over um, 10 years <laughs> yeah uh from from the game and i meet people all over the world uh not like literally all the time but at, at interesting places i was at this um dinner in san francisco after a talk i gave and there were these two geneticists sitting next to me and she comes over and she says you know just before we like sit down i want to tell you i really like public city uh, I was a player of it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, um, it, and, and I think that there was a certain type of person who played it um, because this was still, this is pre-Facebook kind of, this is pre, you know, pre-Twitter, pre-iPhone. You know, it was it was a, earlier in the kind of life cycle of the internet. It was still felt quite strange and new. And I think some people were, were really drawn to that. Well, you know, I was reading a little bit about uh, Perplex City Season 2. Oh yeah, is that, that ever, would, is that going to happen? No, um, not as far as I know. Right, uh, we made a lot of it. That's pretty sad, you know. You know, we had all the cards, and you know, we did we sell the cards? I think we sold some of the cards. Um, and uh, but yeah, it, you know, it got cancelled. As Mind Candy, the parent company, pivoted to digital games. You know, the tenth anniversary of the cube being found is coming up next year. And maybe something will happen. We'll see. Not the whole new game, but we, we, might, we might do something to, to, you know, commemorate it. Well, I, I endorse that. I think it should happen. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. It'd be cool if someone found Satoshi on the 10th anniversary of the cube being found. Yeah, I can't promise that. <laughs> Anything else, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It turns out the person who found the cube was actively searching for Satoshi as well and had been a regular poster on the Unfiction forum. With the prize money, along with buying a house, he paid for a year of the running costs of the Unfiction Forum and added $1,000 of reward money for finding Satoshi. But still, he hasn't been found. With the end of Perplexity's overarching game, much of the interest in solving the puzzle cards began to evaporate. This, coupled with the quickly shrinking morale due to a lack of leads or developments, caused the case to stagnate, little by little, 
until it just became one of those forgotten nuggets of internet lore. I can picture all the players moving along with their lives, resuming normalcy, their jobs, their commutes, their morning coffees, setting the search aside for a while, or leaving it behind, only to have it drift into their minds periodically as they lie in bed, or hop on the bus to work, or wait at an airport, seeing all these passing faces in the crowd, wondering if, hidden amongst them, they might see his face. In all of its magnificent unlikelihood, the fact that it's possible is enough to entertain the thought. But then, day after day, year after year, no luck, until it's forgotten. Remember, Satoshi's card is one of only two puzzle cards from Perplexity that to this day haven't been solved. The other was a joke. The Ryman hypothesis, something never truly expected to actually be solved by the players of the game. And the fact that it's only these two cards left, that one of them is verifiably impossible or at least extremely difficult, it just doesn't seem to give much hope. But there is hope. To find Satoshi doesn't require being gifted in mathematics, it just requires living on the planet Earth, being a human being, and maybe a stroke of luck. It's a puzzle accessible to anybody, and is challenging only due to the sheer number of people there are. It's a quantity problem. Which makes you think that maybe all those years of theorizing on the forums were overcomplicating everything. Maybe searching for codes and hidden meanings and all this time spent on Kaisersburg was overkill. Maybe it's just a numbers game. After all, it's more possible now than it ever was. It's crazy how much the internet has changed since 2005. It's become so much more connected. The internet has brought us all magnitudes closer together. Facebook's research team recently published a study saying that the average degrees of separation between Facebook users isn't 6, it's just 3.5. 3.5 degrees of separation. So if Satoshi is on Facebook, that's a big if. He could be just a few steps away from any other Facebook user. So, so we didn't, you know, I don't think you could ever really underestimate the power of, of the internet, you know, the power of the crowd. Uh -huh. uh, but the problem is whether they're sufficiently interested and, and uh, there are plenty of problems out there that the crowd can solve, but they just can't be bothered. And I think, and I don't think it was that so much that people were not interested in fine Satoshi. I think it was more that this was an extremely hard problem. And uh, if we did it again now, I suspect we might have a bit more luck, but I don't know, we'll see. The internet may not have been ready in 2005 for what perplexity was. And if it happened now, both Adrian and Laura agree it would be done very differently, and that Satoshi could be found. So in a sense, perplexity may have happened too early, before its time. Fine Satoshi has fallen into obscurity over the years, surviving as an orphaned shard of a completed narrative. It's a cold case, frozen in time, unfinished. And something like that just needs closure. I do not think anybody is actively pursuing it. I, I've seen it pop up sometimes where I think it has been posted to Reddit before, for example, mm. um, where somebody's like, hey, this is a cool thing, but like there's never really any response. I mean, for it to sort of capture the collective imagination is, is a separate thing. You know, to like make people want to do it. Laura has a really good point. The challenge is capturing the imagination amongst the general population and finding Satoshi. 
a mystery now orphaned from its mother narrative. To reignite that passion and that imagination and that curiosity is a unique challenge. But ever since day one, even when the game was still alive, there was no real end goal to finding Satoshi, other than the closure of finding him. Satoshi wouldn't lead players to the cube, that was clear, or to a cash prize. He wouldn't solve any greater mystery. All he promised was himself. It's just the world's longest running game of hide and seek, but give someone a Where's Waldo book, and they'll spend a long time looking for Waldo. I would love for it to be done. I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that would make it actually, in my mind, possible, right? Like, if he lives in an English-speaking country, then it would be possible for me personally to k- keep working on it and to find him. Yeah, I I, I will not give up hope. Um, <laughs> I mean, ju- yeah, just as, you know, as time has passed, like, I've gotten really busy, and it's difficult to get re-engaged in it just because it takes so much time. Well, this is just one of those things that needs closure, you know? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. got to be closure. And the longer, and you know, and the longer it goes on, it's on, what, 10 years now, right? Yeah. Ish. Like, the longer it goes on, the more satisfying that closure will be, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, how? <laughs> oh, man. So that, I mean, then that would be, that. the irony is that that would be the news story that would get attention rather than the hunt itself, right? Right. That, that would be the thing that gets eyes. Right, so. exactly. It would only get attention from the masses who could have helped along the way after mm-hmm. it's solved. And does it surprise you? We talked a little bit about this before, but does it surprise you that, that Satoshi still hasn't been found? I mean, I think it's hard now, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, because there are fewer people looking, and he probably looks different. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's really all you have is his name. I mean, I don't know. Like, if Reddit suddenly got interested, then he probably could be found fairly quickly, or whatever people use in Japan for Reddit. You know, um, if that's where it is. Oh no, did I give a clue? I don't know whether he is in Japan. Actually, I could be wrong with that. <laughs> It's an enduring mystery. I mean, we're sort of in a time of storytelling um, that embraces the gray area. There's like a really nice quote about um, puzzle solving is like scratching an itch, right? So like in, in terms of like giving hints to people, you want to let them scratch the itch themselves. You don't want to do it for them because it triggers that level of satisfaction. So like maybe this is a really nice way of sort of framing the world in, in such a way that like there could be it's it's black and white there's a conclusion possible it's just out there somewhere that's exactly right there is there's a satoshi out there right now just eating a sandwich somewhere waiting waiting just waiting for someone and we're talking about him right now he doesn't even know it it's this it's just this like ongoing unknown right just to think that like satoshi is somewhere right now Mm -hmm. like right now yeah he's just doing his thing Yep, you know, exactly. Maybe and, even forgets. He's like, oh, I guess no one <laughs> in our family. I don't know. You know. Like, it's just he's there somewhere. Right. Well, so we were told by the CEO of the company at the time that he had a passphrase that only he knows. Okay. And like that, you know, so it's possible to still find him and ask for the thing and get it confirmed from like the people who worked on it. I, I can't give up hope. <laughs> You gotta keep it alive. You keep the website up and then you'll keep it. Maybe one day you'll just get an email from Satoshi. You'll be like, you know what? It's been 20 years. Yeah. Here I am, you know? So this is the other, they told us, um, even if he sees that stuff, somebody has to directly reach out and contact him. Oh. Yes. So it's 
completely possible that it is he's come across it because wouldn't you look for it if oh, you yeah. were him? Yeah. Um, I I certainly would. I would wonder about that forever. <laughs> it'd be a funny, it'd be an interesting existence, like you know, going about your daily life, and in the back of your head, you know that there's a group of people looking for you mm-hmm. at all times. Well, and I've like this is gonna sound super creepy, but I've like studied his photograph in detail, right? Like he has distinctive facial markings. Um, the shape of his ear and the earlobe are, are like one of the best ways to distinguish between persons, right? Because like his hair could be different. He could have facial hair. Or he could be wearing glasses or whatever. Um, but ears and and like moles and stuff are are gonna be like the key thing. So like, what if someday I'm sitting in an airport and I look over and I'm like, that's the ear, right? Like it's possible. <laughs> it it is possible. And if that happens, if that I'm... happened, let's say okay, Laura, you <laughs> are in uh, Portland International Airport mm-hmm. and you're waiting for a departure. And you're sitting at your chair, and you're you're just waiting for the plane to leave. And you look up, and you see someone who looks really familiar to you, and it's Satoshi. <laughs> do you know what you would do? Do you have a plan? I, I probably would pass out. <laughs> no, I mean I would just I'd be like I would ask what the phrase is, you would know? You? Oh yeah. Would you Absolutely. ask? Would you ask if he's Satoshi first, or would you ask yeah. for the yeah? Yeah, of course completely politely and in a non-creepy way once I had gotten control of myself you know I think <laughs> you know how as unlikely as that scenario is I do hope that's how Satoshi is found <laughs> that would be the best I hope you just bump into him somewhere like I think you deserve to find him and I think it should be just somewhere random just <laughs> at a place like at a sidewalk somewhere like in an airport you know yeah that would be fabulous. <laughs> I that would make my life. <laughs> oh man, it could happen, you know. Yeah, I mean, never say never. never like say never there. They say if you spend enough time in Trafalgar Square in London, you'll run into somebody you know, right? Yeah, with so. enough people passing through, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really hope you find him. I think you should find him. <laughs> I mean, maybe this will help get people excited to contribute because it's not, you know, it's not something I can do on my own. That's the thing. That's right. Well, it's just so, I don't know, it just, it really captured my imagination as well when I first heard about it, and that's why I want to do this. Um, and it makes me want to, it makes me want to find him too. And it's also <laughs> just interesting because there's just this one guy that just, you know, could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. It happened to be Satoshi. And he just like, I, I want to find him. <laughs> yeah, I do hope. I'm just, there. I'm looking at all of this stuff. There's not a lot of, recent things and this is what's funny too like it's odd that in the meantime nobody else has sort of taken it up like maybe it is my quest you know i need to like draw up the weapon once more but yeah he's he's still out there he he's still hopefully knows he's still part of a puzzle yeah um and maybe someone will, will, will find him you know it's it's kind of nice to think that the game continues and so satoshi waits somewhere going about his daily life perhaps peering over his shoulder from time to time waiting for someone to give him that look of vague recognition like they've seen him before but they're not sure where 
As one user on the forum aptly reflected, quote, it makes you wonder how many people you've randomly seen in your lifetime. There's a billion to one chance you've already seen Satoshi, end quote. All we have of Satoshi to this very day is this one card, this one photograph, his face staring back at us, taunting us to find him. And so maybe someday somebody will. Maybe someday somebody will recognize him or stumble across the next clue, lying hidden somewhere, under the bridge, beneath the dark ripples of that river, over the hills in the background, or behind those dark, taunting eyes, whispering, find me. But until that day comes, somewhere out there is a man named Satoshi, waiting to be found. If you want to help track Satoshi down, a good place to start is Laura's website, findsatoshi.wordpress.com. You'll find the photo of Satoshi there that we've been describing, so you can actually see it with your own eyes, and you'll see an overview of everything we know about Satoshi, and the photo that Laura took on the same spot in Kaisersburg. Roll the credits. This episode was produced independently by me, Asher Isbrucker, with music by Yusuke Tsutsumi, Chris Zabriski, Kai Angel, and Dana Boulay. So thanks so much to them for making their music free for me to use and to the Free Music Archive, where musicians make their music free for anyone to use. I highly recommend it. And of course, special thanks to my guests, to Laura Hall, who now runs an escape room in Portland, Oregon. If you're ever in Portland, come visit our escape room game. Uh, it's called 60 Minutes to Escape, 6-0. And to Adrian Hahn, who since Perplexity ended, has gone on to start his own gaming company called Six to Start, which made a little game called Zombies Run. You may have heard of it. That was, a, you know, the idea for a game where you would run in the real world using your iPhone and you would hear a story and you'd, you know, be in this kind of zombie apocalypse. Oh, and I've heard about this. Yeah. We came up with that idea with Naomi Alderman, who was a lead writer on Perplex City. And thanks as well to my very eloquent and talented friend, Stephen James, who recorded a part for this episode that didn't make it in the final cut. Stephen, I very much appreciate it anyway. I had to cut a lot of stuff out. And of course, thanks to you, whoever's listening to this inaugural episode of whatever this podcast becomes. Thank you. I appreciate you too, very much. You're great. And that's all I have to say for now. So, until next time, happy hunting.